This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for joining me on this July 10th edition of Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And for those of you that visit our companion platform, investtalk.com, you will see a simple yet honest statement on our website. And it is, the InvestTalk commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help you make you a better investor. That's what we're all about here. Make you a better investor. That's it. And if you're going to do it on your own, that's fine. If you need help, that's fine. If you need someone to do it for you, that's fine. But I want you to be more educated. I believe it. Doesn't matter if you listen to us on the radio or the podcast or you spend time on our website. Justin and I want you to know we put a lot of effort into creating a dynamic learning environment for you. And of course, we invite your participation. You know, our anytime phone lines are open right now, 888 99Chart. If you have an investing or finance question, well, I'll get straight to you. You'll get a straight answer, and it'll be an unbiased one, too. Now, we have much to go over today, as we do every day, market activity, your concerns, maybe your hopes, your disappointments, whatever. I found a few interesting money awareness topics I'm going to talk about. But let me get started by, by um, setting up a simple question. Should a person, even if they are still working, begin taking their Social Security benefits early? Or is it best to wait until they reach full retirement age? Do you even know what full retirement age is for you? And we've talked on, I've talked about this before, but based on a look at benefits, distribution tables, a, a realization of life expectancy ranges, these things give you a, a, a view. You know, I, I, wait until you're 70, you'll get a lot more money, but it's over fewer years, right? Because you're waiting until you're 70, not collecting that your full retirement age, whatever that is. Anyways, I'm going to give you some sensible answers in about 10 minutes. But first, let's get to our Tuesday questions. Let's get kick off with a question that came in early on our Anytime Listener line, 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. I uh, really appreciate you taking me call. I know that a lot of times guys are like, well, go ahead and invest in uh, long-term mutual funds or the S&P 500. And I was wondering, uh, instead of putting a substantial amount of capital and money in a mutual fund or the S&P 500, why not just purchase a long-term in-the-money call option for the market if one believes that the market is going to uptrend for the reason of, A, it requires a lot more capital or a lot less capital to purchase an option. B, there's more opportunity for more reward. And then also, if the market was to go into a downturn or turn into a recession, the maximum loss is only the capital or premium paid on the call option itself. And so I'm interested in uh, why more people don't do this, say, by call options for SPY, for example. And I guess the reason I'm wondering is if one believes it's going to be in an uptrend. And also, I'm kind of looking for more of an answer than just if the market was to uh, trade sideways, for example, because uh, it is a in-the-money premium option. I think it's a good play, uh, especially considering the option is long-term, and then also because it requires a lot less capital, more chance for good reward, and then also the maximum loss is only the premium paid rather than putting a substantial amount of capital into a mutual fund. Thanks. Bye. 
Well, when you buy an option, you pay uh, a you pay a premium for it, and whatever it is, fifty cents a share, whatever it is, and you got to buy a hundred option block is a hundred shares, you know, even lots. The the reason why more people don't do it, yes, it's much cheaper to buy an option and try to ride ride the wave up, but if you're wrong, you lose one hundred percent of that premium. Okay, so you're not buying anything. You're buying the right to something, the right to buy a stock or sell a stock at a certain price. In this case, the SPY would be the index. So you're not owning any of the companies. You don't own a thing. So when you buy a stock, it's rare that it goes. you lose 100% of your value, right? It's rare. It can go down a value, but it doesn't go 100%. So people don't do it because it it's, a, it's risky. You know, it, you could lose all your premium. So... Let's say you have $10,000. Would you rather buy a $10,000 worth of ETF and own the shares of companies or just buy a option the premium that costs you $10,000 It gives you the right to buy shares at a certain price? Well, you could lose that whole $10,000 if you buy an option because you could be wrong and go against you. That's pretty much why more people don't do it because of the risk. The risk involved in doing options. Now, I understand that. You can put a little bit of money at risk. They're good for insuring against your holdings, but you're not talking about that. You're talking about just playing the market using options. People do that, though. There's a lot of people that do it, but more people don't do it because you don't own anything. Okie dokie. Before I pass on this information, I want to say that I hope you are not counting on Social Security as your sole means of retirement income. You know, but like many people, you will want to rely on it for supplemental income, right? That's it. Just supplemental. That's what we rely on Social Security income for, to help. It's not, never was designed to be your retirement, full retirement account. Never was that. Now, we found this data that I'm going to give you at MSN.com. It will be, it'll be helpful to those planning to include Social Security benefits as part of their retirement income stream. There's no one age at which everyone starts collecting Social Security. You can actually begin collecting at age 62, as late as, as, as late as 70. The most common age is 62. And that's usually because people need the income. That's not full retirement age, 62. So what age would be best for you? Well, first you have to know what full retirement age for you is. And that's the age when you can start collecting your full Social Security benefits. And it ranges from age 65 to 67. 65, 66, to 67. That's full retirement age, depending on when you're born. So if you're born between 1943 and 1954, 1943 and 1954, full retirement age is 66. You can collect 100% at age 66 of your retirement benefits, Social Security benefits. At 62, you only get 75% of your full retirement benefits. If you wait till 70, you'll get 132% of your full retirement age benefits. Okay? Now, when born 1957, you get your full retirement age is 66 years and 6 months. If you're born 1960 or later, it's 67 years old. Okay, so when you're 67, you get 100% of your Social Security benefits if you're born after 1957. Okay? That's some of that information. Now, here are some tips. How may you gain, how much money 
by, we gain by delaying payments. About 24% of your benefits if you hold off until age 70. Okay, now that seems like it might be a no-brainer, but not necessarily. Remember, you get much more benefits, right, if you wait till you're 70 per month. But then there's several years that you're not collecting anything. You got to make those years up, right? Number two, you can avoid benefit deductions if you're still working. If you plan to start collecting your benefits early, then keep working to a significant degree, you end up receiving much smaller checks than you might expect. Number three, you can position loved ones to receive your money. Being able to recommend the right strategy. It's, you know, if you have dependents, there's different rules and everything for those. Now, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm going to wait till I'm 70. Not because of me, but because of my wife, who will collect, you know, who I want to get the highest return. I think I'll die much early before her. My, the odds are good. Therefore, I want her to max out her benefits, so money to her when after I pass. And therefore, if I wait, I get higher return. I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I'm waiting. Okay, those are some of the information out there, everybody. Summation, there's strategies that you need to think about. Okay, you got to think about it and understand what your benefits, when they kick in, and, you know, how much taxes you're going to have to pay. You pay taxes on Social Security benefits, you know, income tax, which to me seemed like that's a stupid thing. Why? Why do I say that? Because they're, you know, retirement benefits. They should just pay you what you get with no tax consequences whatsoever. And if it's lower, because then it let it be lower. I, I don't, you know, I just think it's silly. I mean, they're paying back your money to you and they're taxing you on your money. Basically, that's what's happening. So, you have to personalize your situation. It can't be just, okay, in general, this is how it works. Now, if you want me to take a look at your portfolio or talk about the right strategy or anything else, you can go to a Contact Us page on investtalk.com or come see me in, in San Jose. I think all our slots are full, so... Call up, and we'll see what we can do about squeezing you into maybe a second day, or I'm just not sure how we're going to do this, really, because next Wednesday, or else I'll have to set up another day to come up there, which I'm going to do anyways, but give us a call if you want to meet with me. We'll work something out. The number is 888-99-CHART, or go to investtalk.com. What's our feature talking point today? Well, Asian, Asian trade ministers are planning to create the world's biggest trading block. 16 nations. It's called RCEP. That would include China, Japan, India, but not the U.S. Should we be concerned? That's one of the main talking points we're going to talk about today. Also, Trump tax cut may not be as stimulating as at first thought. There's an opinion out there, and this is I want to share it with you. I think it is, but maybe they're right. Inverted yield curve. We talked about the inverted yield curve is the surest sign of a recession. We've had three of them in 35 years. What's going to you think happen after every one of those? I want to go into some details about that. And you know we're starting earnings season, right? Quarter ended, and we're starting earnings season. Will the earnings during this earnings season, with the earnings that the U.S. corporations are going to be reporting, Trump, the trade war talk. Not President Trump, but Trump it. Okay? Will it? 
it's uh, and I, 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 I think it might. But we want to talk about that too. So those are the things I'm going to discuss. But of course, you come first, not me. The market was up today. This is what four days in a row. Dow was up 143. The Nasdaq was up only three, which I find interesting. And then the S&P up 10. So the Nasdaq was the big lagger today, and I thought that was uh, instructive. Usually the Nasdaq leads the way, and it kind of has been up until today, in the last four days. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for making time for Invest Talk. If you listen on a regular basis, you likely hear a pattern in our presentation. Straightforward information with unbiased analysts, that's what we do. It is by design. Justin and I do our best to make the complex understandable. And we always appreciate your input. So please call 888-99-CHART. On the radio or via podcast, InvestTalk is a place to discover market insight from Steve and Justin. On radio, podcast, or the web, Invest Talk is also your anytime resource for learning about the complex variables affecting your ability to attain financial success. InvestTalk.com. Bookmark it now. Have you got questions? You can give us a call. The listener lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. We're going to go talk to Dan in Palo Alto. How you doing, Dan? Hi, Steve. Good to talk to you again. Um, I just had a quick question about tomorrow, actually, speaking of China and trade war talk. Um, I just got a text uh-huh. that there was $200 billion more proposed uh, um, tariffs. Yep. And last proposal, as you know, uh, the markets went down consistently for a while, um, when they, uh, and the futures are down already. Just wondered what you'd be doing with your portfolio with that kind of volatility, and that's probably going to be what tomorrow's going to look like. Well, I didn't see up the proposed 200. It had to be just within the last half hour or so. I did see the yes, threatened. Sir. It was proposed, actual proposed, yeah. 200 billion more. Well, then yes, I would say that's going to have pressure on the market downward, yes. Will it crash the market? I don't think so because it should have crashed it already with all this trade talk of last six months. And it hasn't, this trade war talk. 200 billion is a lot, but... I don't, of course there's going to be pressure on the market. It will pressure it. I just don't know if it'll crash it. So we'll wait a couple, three days. Because, Dan, you're going to have earnings coming out. And earnings are probably going to be pretty good looking. And that's one of my talking points. Will earnings trump the trade talk? You know, the trade war. And I think they might. So I think it would only be a short period of time. Uh, tomorrow, yeah, if that, if there was proposed by Trump of 200 billion more China tariffs, yeah, the market's going to not like that at all. I don't know if it'll crash. I don't think it will. But it will be down tomorrow. Appreciate your call, Dan. Thank you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And, and heading into the break, everybody, I want to remind you that Invest Talk is heard live each weekday, 4 to 5 Pacific time, on radio and internet streaming through our investtalk.com. Please tell your friends and family members to tune in. I would appreciate it. We welcome their questions. 888-99-CHART. Is your portfolio doing as well as it could, as well as it should? Why wonder? 
Invest Talk Steve Peasley is coming to San Jose on July 18th. That's just eight days from now. You may well benefit from a free portfolio review. Register at investtalk.com. But now, back to your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So, the world's biggest trading block gets a step closer. We're talking about the Asian Pacific, uh, Asian Pacific countries uh, have are, are trying to work toward a, an agreement. They have not there. They are not there. But this would include, you know, biggies like uh, India, China, Japan, and Australia, and others. Sixteen countries altogether, uh, and which they'll have a trading block. It's going to be difficult to work out the details on these, so I don't expect it to be soon or, or it's going to be pretty difficult because of the different demands. For instance, India wants free movement of their citizens between the countries, completely free movement between the countries, because India wants to export its technology prowess and its highly educated workforce. But China doesn't care for that idea. So there's going to be a lot of issues, more than just trade issues, that are going to be a headwind for them. I think that they probably will get it done at some point, especially with the trade war talks going on now with you know, with, with uh, Trump and China and Trump and the EU and tr- Trump and uh, Mexico and, and Canada. I mean, you could see why they would push, that would push them to try to get this deal done faster, to put pressure on us, put pressure on Trump to stop his trade. And I did look up in during the break. Uh, there, there is the, the government is working on two hundred billion dollars worth of more tariffs on China, but they have not implemented that. Uh, there's not they haven't said exactly what they are going to put tariffs on, but they're working on it in response to China's. Response. Okay, so you had Trump saying hey, we're going to put tariffs on 34 billion. China said we're going to match that, and here it is. Then Trump said, well, now we're going to put 200 billion, because if you know if you're not going to do what I want you to do, then I'm going to put 200 billion more. And now, of course, China's going to retaliate. It's a, it's, it's a game, everybody. It's a game. Who's going to win this game? That's really what the point is. Who's going to win it? Well. Odds are we are, depending on how strong Trump's backbone is. Why do I say that? Because I told you before, our economy is relying on trade only, our economy is only 12% relying on trade. 12% of our economy is trade. Whereas China, for instance, is 33, 34, 35% of their economy relies on trade. And most of that with just us. Our 12% is spread out all over the place. So you see, I'm not, we have leverage. It's a matter of using it. Are we going to use it? Is it going to work? That's really what it is about. Who's going to blink first? Someone will. I, I, you know, I know people keep saying that. Well, it might not. Ha- what happens if this? What? You know, they're all worried. I'm, I'm, for some reason, it's just not something I think it's going to be all that. I don't think it's going to be all that bad of a deal. I think we're going to, no matter what negotiations happen we're going to end up better off than we were before. That's how I see it. Do I think it's not going to happen? That would be pretty rare that we don't do some kind of negotiation. The great thing about our Anytime Listener line number, it never closes. Here's a question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, 
Steve. I, I wanted your take on THO, Thor Industries. Right now, the stock is currently trading at a P of uh, 11.74. Got pretty good earnings at 8.31. I just wanted your take as to if you think the stock is currently undervalued. Thank you. Yeah, I would think it is. Let's take a look at Thor Industries, everybody. It is a $5.3 billion company, so a mid-cap company. Manufactures recreation vehicles in the U.S. and Canada under the uh, Airstream and other brand names. Okay, uh, so it's going to make $9.96 next year. It's a $100 stock. So that tells you it's a 10 PE. Five-year range is 10 to 21. Why has the stock been under pressure ever since the beginning of the year? It might be because interest rates are being risen by the Federal Reserve and it's nerve-wracking as far as financing these purchases. Maybe that's it. Not much debt. has pays a dividend 1.5%. Sales have slowed down. That might be another reason why it's fallen this year. Probably is the reason. A year ago, the sales growth was 50% per quarter. Then down to 31%, then down to 24%, and then the most recent quarter down to 12% growth. So that 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 downward trail is what puts pressure on all stocks. Sales going down will put pressure downward pressure on all stocks. Now you have to decide, is it overdone? Is it been enough? And the stock got close to, what, $91, $92, and now it's bouncing up. And it looks like to me, it above the 50 and 100 day moving average, this would be a good place to pick it up. Good value. I wish it paid a higher dividend, but it's still a very good value right here. Return equity is 26%, management owns 5%. Good. It's a good company. The only thing that would really hurt it is moving into a recession. Then it could hurt. But so will every other stock. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, if you must take on debt, what are the best and worst loans? About 80% of American households now hold some form of debt, but certain types of loans should be avoided. We'll explain it tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm here for you. Call me at 888-99-CHART. Coming up on Invest Talk, answers to your questions, any money matter, comparing load and no load mutual funds, how to gauge your needs in retirement, 888-99-CHART. Our Invest Talk podcast continues. One of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the Balanced Income Portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it, the Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are dedicated to providing straightforward and unbiased investing management. 
For listeners, the Invest Talk commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make better investors. And individuals who choose to become KPP clients open the door to ongoing and personalized, highly experienced attention to their portfolio. Want to speak with Steve right now? He's here. 888-99-CHART. Okay. 888-992-4278. Give me a call anytime you want. Trump tax cuts may not be as stimulating as at first thought. Now, this is an opinion. Uh, the reason is, the, the, the person who gave this opinion in the article that I read this afternoon, the reason is that he says that when an economy is already expanding, uh, that the, it reacts differently. The economy reacts differently to a, to a tax cut stimulus than it would if the economy was shrinking. That's the theory, and I don't know if they have much evidence of it. He says that he felt that the, the experts are saying that the tax cut would stimulate the economy about three tenths of percent per quarter, and this guy estimates it. Now these are, estimates to be about a zero. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I go back to just plain old common sense. The tax cut is giving people about $43 per week extra in their pocket, the average person, okay? Now, to you and me, maybe that's not a lot of money. To a lot of people, it's pretty significant. I mean, you're going to get, you know, 160 plus bucks a month extra, that could be, you know, your gas bill, your grocery bill. And remember, multiply that times all everybody, and that money is going into the economy. It has to be stimulative. How can it not be? If now, this is how it could not be. If they saved every dime of it, then it wouldn't stimulate the economy. Not right away, anyways. It would eventually, because if they saved it, it would go into the banking system, and then they would use it, and so on and so forth. Or another way, if they took this money and only bought imported items only, because that take, all imports are deducted from our economic growth every quarter. So those are kinds of things, and that's why one of the one having a a a, um, a trade deficit is so detrimental, because the, you know that money is take, deducted from our own growth because we had to pay it out of our country instead of coming in. So, I don't know if I buy the guy's argument. I think they're weak. I think the arguments are weak. Just because the economy is growing already, he thinks that people are not going to spend the money. Because whatever they spend, it's going directly into the economy. So, I, I do think the tax cut is pretty stimulating. Now, let's talk about not the physical, actual tax cut, but the perception the anticipation. I've told you before in this show, a lot of things are what you perceive. Your perception, your anticipation of something tends to make them happen. It tends to make it real. If you anticipate inflation, inflation and multiply and have that all over the economy, everybody thinks inflation is going up, inflation is likely to go up. It, it's... You know, it's a, it's, it's. I, I don't want to say it's a power of positive thinking or thing, but it's just a natural human phenomena that if you feel secure and you think everything's doing going well, you tend to spend more money. 
If you if you're afraid of the future and you think something's going to happen bad, you tend not to spend the money, and that puts if every multiply that times everybody, and we go into recession. The same kind of thought about this stimulus package. Okay, kind of interesting, huh? Same kind of thought process. If it think it's going to be stimulus, and it probably will be because they'll spend it. So I think that's kind of interesting. Imagine it's 2.45 a.m. Oh, boy, you're tossing and turning. And an investment question keeps coming up. I don't know how many of that happens to you. It doesn't really happen to me. But to you, it might. Well, how do you get relief? Well, you pick up the phone, call me, leave, a leave the question on our anytime number. And it's 888-99-CHART. Leave the question there. Get it off your mind. Go back to sleep. Now, here's a question about a Roth IRA. Hi, uh, my name is Ronnie. I have a question about the uh, Ruth Iowa, uh, the Wolf Iowa. If I have the 401k and uh, I'm 62 years old, can I still put the extra money into the Wolf Iowa? And what's the Wolf Iowa limitation? And uh, also, if they have the five year, you have to put it into the Wolf Iowa account, cannot withdraw it. Thank you. Yes, you can, at 62 years old, uh, at any age, really, you can open up a Roth. Anytime you're earning income, you can open up a Roth IRA. Now, if you have a 401k already and you are massing out the 401k and you have a certain amount of income, there are rules that may prohibit you from putting money in an IRA and a Roth IRA or restrict you. I don't know what those rules are. You have to talk to your CPA. Um, but if you're not maxing out your your uh, your your 401k, and at 62 you can put 24,500 in your 401k a year, and a Roth or a regular IRA, the normal amount is 5,500, but you can put up to another thousand, 6,500 after the age of what, 59 or 60 years old. So that's your maximum, 6,500. You for 62 years old. That's the most you can put in your Roth. But if you max out your 401k at 24500 can you put 6500 in your Roth IRA? And I don't think you can, but you have to talk to an accountant to get, determine that. You can't rely on me for that answer. I remember, that's not my, my, my bailiwick is investing, but I do know a lot of the rules. <clears throat> As most of you know, we take our finance and investing questions live each weekday on investtalk.com during the radio program. 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. But we also accept your questions around the clock, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, on the same number, 888-99-CHART. Don't be afraid to call after hours. We will record your call and then play it back on the next broadcast. And remember, you and you, you and your friends are free to listen to any Invest Talk show anytime. You know, you can play it back, you know, for you when you're working out or just driving to work, whatever it is, anytime you want. So and we do keep about 100 recent programs archived, okay, and it's accessible, accessible via our podcast player on investtalk.com. So if you plan a road trip, you can download a podcast show and listen in the car or more, a bunch of them. Call me at 888-99-CHART. Guess who's coming to San Jose? The answer, Steve Peasley. 
Yes, Steve will be in San Jose on July 18th to conduct portfolio reviews for our InvestTalk listeners. This is a free service from KPP Financial, but you must pre-register at investtalk.com. Don't delay. July 18th is only eight days away and appointment spaces are limited. So get started on the road to maximizing your portfolio's performance with Steve Peasley's personalized guidance. Guess who's here now to take your questions? Right. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. Excuse me. 888-992-4278. We talked about the inverted yield curve before. And the reason why I bring it up fairly often is because it's so important. It's one of the surest signals of a sign for a recession. When it hits, recession falls. It has inverted three times in the last 35 years. Okay? It inver- and what is an inversion? That's when the yield on a two-year treasury is higher than the yield on the 10-year treasury. How does that happen? How it happens is the Federal Reserve only can control the overnight rate. It's pushing up very short-term rates. The long-term rates are controlled completely by the market. And market participants may not push up long-term rates while short-term rates are being pushed up. Okay, so if the short-term rates go higher in the yield than the long-term rate, a recession follows. Happened on April of 89. We were in a recession in 1990. July of 2000. We were in a recession in 2000, 2001, 2002. January of 08. We were in a recession in in 08 and ended in 09. So many people are thinking if the Fed raises another 50 basis points or uh, 50, half a percent, 0.25 two times by the end of the year this year, that that may be enough to produce an inversion in the yield curve. And if that does, a recession will follow the problem is, is it's not exactly, okay, it, we're, it's now the inverted, we're now in a recession. No, it could could be delayed a year or longer. Could be. But it usually follows. Uh, it's pretty consistent that it does happen. So you, remember, this is a sure signal that a bear market's going to ensue at some point. So you need to be watching that. I watch it like a hawk. What's the yield curve on the what's the yield on the two year and what's the yield on the ten year? Okay, ten year was close to three percent, two years is a little over two percent. Now, you're also looking for that we call that the spread between the two year and the ten year. Uh, the spread between them. Is that closing up or is it widening? What's happening? And right now it's kind of flattened, but more on the closing up getting closer to each other. And when it inverts, that's the trigger for a recession. There's various reasons why, but I'm just trying to trying to share that that's something you need to look at. Now let's go and get another question. Uh, came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Give us a call. Hey, Steve or Justin. Just want to get your opinion on SOGO, stock ticker S-O-G-O. They're uh, basically like the second Google in China, it seems, for mobile platforms. They seem to have about 94% of the market share, no debt. It's growing at a pretty quick rate. 
I got in at about $8. Now the stock's come up a lot to about 14 I see the company running pretty far, like the stock price going up pretty high, but I just wanted to get your guys' take on it, see if I should let this ride out, take some profits off the table. What do you think? Just want to get your general opinion on the company and how it looks from a fundamental and technical point of view. Appreciate it, and I'll be listening on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Well, that 14 was like two weeks ago, it looks like to me. Today, it's a 1061, so it come off of that. Got up to about 1535. Uh, it IPO'd in November of last year. Okay, this is a China-based company. It's called Sogo, Sogu, a China-based company that provides search and search-related services in China. There are, they're a $4 billion company uh, doing about $245 billion, million dollars a quarter, so about a billion dollars a year, so four to one's price-to-sales ratio. Probably never heard me talk about that very much, huh? But I, but I watch it. Uh, the P.E. ratio, they're going to make 35 cents a share this year and then 56 cents a share next year. So that's what, a 30 P.E. based on this year's earnings. Next year's earnings about a 10 or 11 P.E. So based on that, and based on the growth rate of sales of over 50% a quarter, it looks like a pretty reasonable stock price-wise at $10.61. What you're going to have to live with though, is a lot of volatility. I mean, it IPO'd at $13, but the first trade was like $13.50. Then it fell all the way down to uh, almost $8 by April of this year. Then it made a comeback to about $15, and that was two, three weeks ago, two weeks, but two, three weeks ago. Now it's fallen back down to 10 Just to give you an idea, from 15 down to 10 do you realize how much money that is? That's 33% loss, okay, from 15 down to $10 a share. So, you know, huge moves, huge moves, and you're going to have to live with that, with this kind of company, that you're just going to have to accept it. Long term, if it keeps growing like it is, you know, it's worth a lot more money than it is right now. That's for sure. So you got to watch the growth rate. Make sure that growth rate is sustainable and those profits come in as they predict that they come in. Those are the two things you have to watch. Management owns 21%, so that's good. Mutual funds, you know, it's too new. We, you know, there's not a lot of information that you can get out of this because it's so new. Symbol is S-O-G-O, Sugu Inc. Class A, class a shares, by the way. Okay, in, uh, we talked about the inverted yield curve. Let's talk about earnings. We're now starting earnings season. By the end of this week, I think this Friday, we'll have three of the largest banks, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, I forgot the other one, uh, reporting their earnings. The estimate for this year when we started the year was about a 20% year-over-year growth in earnings this year. Okay, And if the stock market keeps doing what it's doing, which is not much, that will drive the overall P.E. ratio of the, uh, of the whole market down, which is kind of what we want to see because we, don't want, we want to work out that overvaluation that we still have. But it's getting better, and it should continue to get better. Okay? And remember, our GDP is looking at 5% plus with some of the estimates now. And it looks like, it looks like it's a pretty good 
second quarter and earnings are going to be pretty significant. So we'll know within the next few weeks if that's true or not. I think we will be significant. Hard to believe, but our Tuesday show is almost over. However, we still got 10 minutes or so left. So let's talk about how to grow your money. Get your calls in now, 888-99-CHART. Trying to understand how to evaluate some of the oil stocks. Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it at 888-99-CHART. And now's the best time. On the next Invest Talk, about 80% of American households now hold some form of debt, but certain types of loans should be avoided. If you must take on debt, what are the best and worst loans? That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is here and he's ready and waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go to Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. You were talking Thank about you. the inverted yield curve just a little while ago. Yes. Yes, sir. And in the, pa- and in the past, how I think uh, the three times it happened eventually all led to a recession. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, since, now, since, in history, since it hasn't always led to recession, but the, it, it generally does almost, almost 100% of the time. So this time, since... The, the short-term rate was coming up from a rate of zero, right? There was the emergency rate of yep. zero that the Fed had made right. for the short-term rate. I imagine that's very, very unusual, and it didn't happen before, right? That is correct. So I'm wondering if the absolute level of where the inversion happens might play a role in whether or not it's going to come true this time, even if it does invert. I imagine it would be the lowest level that it inverted, would invert. Yeah. And actually, that's very astute of you, and that is correct. So no one really knows what if it's going to be, is it going to be different this time because the rates were so artificially low in the first place? That's you really know, what you're based asking. based on history, when it inverted, what the actual, the absolute rate was? I actually do not know that. But the average, a normal rate, Fed fund rate, is 3% over long history. Uh-huh. So I'm assuming it's going to be in that area, okay, two and a half to three and a half percent, maybe four. I don't know, and that might be something I might look up tomorrow and get get back to you on on the show. Yeah, that would be interesting that to see whether two and the ten come together in the past when they didn't for what the absolute level was. I better obviously yeah, what imagine that it'd be higher than three. Yeah, but you remember, you're, you're, we're still in this very low interest rate environment, even on the ten, right? I mean, right. We are very low, even though I think that that's not going to stay that low for very long more, very much longer, because we have huge debt. And I don't, our economy growing like it is not necessarily going to get us out of our debt because we keep spending like, you know, crazy, you know, we meaning the government. So, you know, eventually, remember, people are buying our debt and they're accepting very low 10-year rate, you know, return. Three percent or, or, or so is nothing for ten years. Three percent a year? Why would I accept that? You know. Yeah, it, it's so still a flight to safety right now. The, the U.S. Treasuries. It is correct. It's a flight yeah. to safety. For, hey, thanks a lot, Steve. For everybody else, what? Thanks, Gene. Appreciate it. what that what that means. Everybody is you know, getting three percent of U.S. government debt is might be safer than 
their own country debt, where their economy is not as strong and the dollar is not as stable. You know, that kind of thing. Flight to safety. Safety meaning our U.S. dollar and our debt. That's the safety part. Okay? Now, um, there was an interesting, uh, interesting factoid that came out today, and that is the quit rate. The quits rate concerning jobs. You know what the quits rate is? That's the rate at which people quit their jobs. What percentage of all workers voluntarily quit their jobs? And that quit rate is at, a, uh, is at the fastest pace since 2001. Now, why did they pick 2001? I don't know. Because the quit rate was like 2.65% in 2002. So why did you pick 2001? I don't know. The quit rate is a signal that everybody's comfortable, or workers are comfortable quitting their job because they can find another. So that's kind of what this signal is. It's a signal of the strength of the economy. How many people feel comfortable quitting because they can always find another job? And how important is that? I mean, is that really, does that tell us anything? Well, we've seen that the quit rate was about one2 1.3% back in 2000 and, uh, uh, early 2009, late 2008. That's the low. And it's been moving up ever since. So it kind of tracks along with the economy getting stronger. It doesn't, looking at the quits rate, it can't really tell you, it's not predictive. All you can say is it's getting pretty high, and therefore it's going to fall. And if it falls, that means people get nervous about the economy. People get nervous about the economy, tells you that maybe we're going to recession. But that's about as much as you can do. It's not predictive. You can't predict things from it. But it is instructive. That's it for today, everybody. Another Invest Talk radio show, which will be soon posted on our podcast player library at investtalk.com. Your questions made it all work. So thank you very much, and please come back tomorrow. I'll be here. I'm Steve Beasley, and good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis & Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.